Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris. They call me Chouse. Welcoming you back to the show. Obviously, last week, if you were looking for the broadcast, there wasn't one. Uh, Simply due in part to the fact that I contracted the flu. I could not speak, could barely even move. It is a nasty virus going around. But nevertheless, I am healthy and back on board. And we are here for the divisional round playoffs. Unbelievable what we expected, what we were going to see. I mean, everyone knows what happened in the wild card round. We know that the Houston Texans beat the Bills. The Tennessee Titans beat the Patriots. The Minnesota Vikings beat the Saints. And the Seahawks beat the Eagles. So it set up this week's contests, which looked fabulous on paper. So starting all the way back to Saturday, the first two contests on the board, the Minnesota Vikings taking travel to San Francisco to face the 49ers. So going into this matchup, Vegas had the line set for the 49ers at a touchdown. I took the under. I thought that Minnesota would come into this contest a little bit with a little bit more oomph than what they did. Um, Minnesota has been an up-and-down squad for the entire season. I mean, we really, in some cases, didn't know what type of team we were going to get. But but hearing that, you know, Dalvin Cook was back to full health, I really expected a whole heck of a lot from Minnesota's run game. Granted, I understand they're going against this Niners defensive front who got D Ford back and their linebacker Quan Alexander back, which was a massive lift for this defense. If people don't realize Quan Alexander is quote unquote, the fact he is the quarterback on this defense in the middle for that D line. They, he allows that defensive front to do whatever they want to do. The defensive coordinator can rush for doesn't have to blitz and, and teams just have issues with that front four in general. So with Quan back, with DeFord back hanging on the other edge, Bosa was able to do what he wants to do. DeForest Buckner was able to have a day as well. However, the score, we'll go back and hit the score, is 27-10 for the 49ers. They did win this game quite convincingly. So they killed our spread, killed most others who picked the Vikings as well. Uh, I wasn't thinking the Vikings were going to win this contest. I just really believed they would have come out to play a lot better than what they did. I understand San Francisco, you know, they are one of those clubs that you, do you really believe they are this elite level squad? And I mean, when you, when you look at this week's game in the divisional round, it's very difficult to argue it only because I could make some arguments to suggest that they are beatable. But when you put it all together, this team runs the ball extremely well. They have a fantastic offensive line. And Jimmy Garoppolo really just doesn't have to lose you the game. If, if, if Garoppolo can add to the scoreboard by throwing one or two touchdowns, the 49ers basically should win the game. Um, the way in which this, this, this backfield is set up with Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, and uh, Raheem Mostert, it's very, very difficult for me to envision any club being able to stop the trio in general. I mean, how it looks to me is that how Kyle Shanahan is using them 
is he will go with the hot hand. And obviously, Tevin Coleman in this game, he was your guy. He ran extremely well, and he was rewarded for that. He had 22 carries, 105 yards. Didn't fire, or he had two touchdowns. Excuse me. He was he was great. He was 4.8 on the on the ground. But Raheem Mostert as well. He was 4.8 on the ground, 12 carries, 58 yards. They controlled this game on the ground. It was clear Minnesota couldn't get anything happening whatsoever with the run game. They abandoned it early. Dalvin Cook only had nine carries for 18 yards. So this is not your formula if you're the Minnesota Vikings. We all know this. This comes with how this offense is set up. You need to run the ball, establish the run, set up the play-action pass. Minnesota's defense is strong enough to keep teams at bay, but when Kirk Cousins and company are going three and out, I believe they had six in a row at one point where they went three and out. It was it, it just kills your overall momentum and dynamic of what you can call on offense. So when it comes to the 49ers moving on to the NFC Championship, they will be an extremely extremely difficult team to beat especially hosting and playing in San Francisco having home field advantage is going to be very difficult for any team to come in and it would be either the Seattle Seahawks or the Green Bay Packers Um, they had their contest on Sunday but when we discuss what the Minnesota Vikings season was and what we have to look forward to. I mean, like I said, I'll be breaking down a lot of these teams come this offseason, so I'll get into the mix a lot harder. But but from the onset of how I saw this club, I mean, they're, they're right up against the cap. They have uh, uh, a decision to make with Kirk Cousins. I believe his cap hit is going to be $31 million, roughly around there, uh, for next season. So there's a lot of players that you have to pay on this team, and you're right up against the cap. And, and and with Kirk Cousins coming into the final year of his contract, do you really want to invest more? Have you seen enough from Kirk Cousins to believe that he could elevate his play even more and take this club to the next level? Um, I still am am reserving the right for that judgment at this point. I will say my opinions on it. Um, I, I like Kirk Cousins in this offense. I like what they were able to establish. Unfortunately to me, without Dalvin Cook, without a strong running presence, it is very difficult to endorse what the Minnesota Vikings can become um, for the future. So, Obviously, the changeover, they lost their uh, offensive coordinator, Stepanski, to the Cleveland Browns head coaching position. He, he accepted that, I believe, on Sunday as well. So right there, again, bodes the problem of, of Kirk Cousins now having to deal with another offensive coordinator with another new system to implement coming into the season, relearning the processes and the schemes. So this is a big problem for the Minnesota Vikings. It's going to be a very difficult offseason for Minnesota to say the least but with the 49ers being victorious they climbed their way back to the NFC championship game which is a, a great stepping stone for Kyle Shanahan I mean he's been here before he, he came here with the Atlanta Falcons a few years ago as their uh, offensive coordinator before he landed the job in San Francisco I have a great deal of faith in Kyle Shanahan I believe he is a mastermind genius uh, his offensive playbook is superb 
superb. He can call the game. He can mix it up. He can change up his plays and schemes as the game is going. He's 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 impressing me at his age. He's he's definitely one of the better head coaches in the business, offensive play callers in the business, no question. The thing that concerns me a little bit, I didn't like the play of Jimmy Garoppolo as much in this contest. I, I felt as though he missed quite a few of his reads that were there. He was forcing the issue uh, more than once over the middle, and he did throw that interception where Minnesota did make them pay uh, uh, as he, he kept forcing it on that crossing route. You could see, and uh, there was more than one knockdown there. So, I mean, you could see that Co- uh, Coach Kyle Shanahan, he wasn't going to allow that to continue, and then that's when he started leaning on Tevin Coleman and, and that's basically all they really needed. I mean, this youngster, uh, Kendrick Bourne, he found his way into the end zone. He caught the, the lone Jimmy Garoppolo touchdown pass in this game. Uh, but when it comes to how this defense performs, Jimmy just, like I said, he doesn't, he just shouldn't lose you the game. Um, this defense is strong enough to carry this club to the Super Bowl, perhaps to even win the Super Bowl. I do believe San Francisco is and should be one of the the lead runners out of the remaining four after this weekend, or the remaining four after this weekend. Um, but, it, I mean, it's easy to say they were the top team in the NFC. So, I mean, does that take a little bit weak, perhaps? But they are very strongly and soundly built. It's very hard to argue with what they have. And we all know defense wins championships. So, if the 49ers, especially, like I said, with Quan Alexander back and D Ford back, it's very difficult to argue the fact that this defense will carry them. And then the sound of uh, running of Tevin Coleman and company uh, should take them over the top. So, the next contest on the board on Saturday, we had the Tennessee Titans and the Baltimore Ravens. This contest. So the Ravens were favored at nine and a half points. I grudgingly took it because I really believed that Lamar Jackson was going to again put on a show. How could you not think the league MVP would come out in this contest and and do something uh, uh, magical, especially against the Tennessee Titans defense, who isn't necessarily a top-end unit. I mean, they're good. I've preached it before this season. I liked what they did before. They have some injuries. But, I mean, they are, I want to say, a little bit better than the average. They're an above-average group. They can make plays. They can rush the passer quite well. So I still believed only because... Baltimore was playing at home and how well the Ravens have been playing. The question mark coming into this game was Mark Ingram and that injured calf muscle. Was he going to be fully healthy? No. Uh, Did I believe that he was going to string it out better than what he did? Yes. That did not happen. Mark Ingram really was locked down. He only had six carries, and we saw him on the sidelines more than once with a wrap towel with the ice pack on that calf. He obviously was clearly less than 50%, unable to go, and this was the difference in this game. So let me go back a little bit further as well, as I've had many conversations. I even mentioned it on this podcast saying, When it came to the Ravens, so I I took a lot of heat for this opinion from a lot of my colleagues. And I mean, fair enough. But the the thing is about the Ravens that I really questioned, and some others did as well, was could Lamar Jackson beat you from the pocket, from being just that passing quarterback? Could he do it without the help of a running game? 
and I mean, I'm not convinced again. I mean, the 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 Titans secondary. I mean, yes, they got Bird, they got Vaccaro, and they they got Adoree Jackson back. So I mean, uh, uh, and Logan Ryan, obviously, they have a decent secondary who can make plays, but they have been gashed over the season. And Lamar Jackson really. He was game planned against, like I had mentioned before. He is game plan specific. You can do this. If you lock up the edges, you give up the middle of the field and allow him to attempt these throws to the outside of the sidelines, he is beatable. And this is exactly what the Titans did. They gave up the middle of the field. They said, you can have the middle of the field. And Lamar Jackson continuously attempted to go there and he couldn't find it. The biggest turning point in this game came early which which pulled a lot of momentum. It wasn't on Lamar. I mean, the ball was tipped out of his receiver's hand, and it went right into Bird's hand, uh, the uh, the Titans' uh, safety. So that started the roll for for what we knew the Tennessee Titans were going to do. We knew the game plan coming in. Everybody knew that this was going to be Derrick Henry Day. We knew it. I mean, this is how he's been riding this team or, or putting this team on his back and riding it for the last three to four weeks. It's all been Derrick Henry. This contest was no different. Henry's numbers were incredible. 30 rushing attempts, 195 yards, no rushing touchdowns, which was surprising. Tannehill was the one who did get that rushing touchdown on that QB sneak uh, or from like the five-yard line off that read option. So here's the thing about this Tennessee group. Derrick Henry just continues to pick up steam. He has been so impressive, and I've been a very big critic on him. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a believer last year after the usage and the lack of productivity. Um, Coming into this year, I had some level of interest and hope uh, to believe that that the coach Vrabel was going to use Henry a lot more than what he had been, and he did. But again, as soon as Ryan Tannehill came into the mix, I think my biggest issue was the fact of Marcus Mariota continuing to be the starting quarterback for this club. I went back on record back in training camp, like you all know, you listen to the show. I went back all the way to training camp to suggest the fact that when they traded for Ryan Tannehill, I believe that was not only the insurance policy, but that should have been the formality. He should have took the job from day one, and this Titans team would be flying. And look what happens. I mean, Tannehill is not this elite quarterback. We get it. But Tannehill is very much good enough to throw over 4,000 yards in this league. He's done it before. So when people sit here and say, oh, Ryan Tannehill, wow, this is impressive. This isn't anything new. Ryan Tannehill did this in Miami with a weaker club. But now when you put a running back in a running game like Derrick Henry behind him, who can literally carry the team on his back, Ryan Tannehill only threw 14 times in this game for 88 yards. Think about that. Seven completions for 88 yards and still had two touchdown passes. This is all they need to do. This contest was straight up, all Tennessee, killing the clock, keeping the ball. The Ravens had nothing that they could do in the long run. Time of possession at the end changed. It was still very even. But the Titans win this contest 28-12, pull off the massive upset on Divisional Weekend in Baltimore. Can you believe that? They beat the New England Patriots in Foxborough. They walk into Baltimore and they steal one from the Ravens, who were the best offensive, best rushing team in the NFL. Unbelievable. 
But this was all Derrick Henry. This The game plan was masterful by Vrabel and company. And you can't hate it. You can't be mad at it. They they played extremely well. And they deserve to be here. But when it comes to how the Tennessee Titans will be looking to obviously use Derrick Henry once again next week. And my confidence level on this Titans squad to go past either the Kansas City Chiefs or the Houston Texans. Obviously, like I said, it goes through Derrick Henry and the running ability. But let's just even say that Derrick Henry falls injury to an injury in the in the next contest. What will the Titans be able to do without Derrick Henry? So my faith in Ryan Tannehill, I'm going to continue this because I really truly believe Tannehill, he's, he's been to the puppet show and he's seen the strings. He understands this game. He understands what he's able to do and what he's not able to do. Will he keep control of the ball and hold it and secure it without turnovers? No, Ryan Tannehill will definitely throw you those interceptions. However, Ryan Tannehill has a very thick skin and he's going to move on from those interceptions very quickly. Do I believe they're beatable without Derrick Henry? Of course, absolutely. Derrick Henry is this offense at the moment. But them together, you have a very difficult time convincing me that they're not a very good team. They're a great team that will contend for who for the Super Bowl for who they're playing next it's just it's just gonna happen you're gonna see the same formula the same game plan you know Derrick Henry's gonna be the guy they're gonna give him those 25 to 30 touches in the game again and they're gonna dare the other team to stop them because if it is between the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs both teams have a real problem stopping the run so this will again be the formula but I really truly believe that Ryan Tannehill and company will be able to make plays in the pass game when it's needed next week as the game uh, uh, progresses and prolongs so huge upset victory for the Tennessee Titans over the Ravens Lamar Jackson and company licking their wounds they go home devastated with what had happened after such a fantastic season. So moving right along to Sunday's contest, the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. This game, I was extremely interested to see and view. I was curious to see which clubs were going to come out. And I mean, the Houston Texans have naturally been slow starters. We saw it in Buffalo. I, I really didn't believe that they were going to win this game. I mean, the spread was 10 points favoring the Chiefs. I took Houston only because I thought this game would be a lot more competitive. It started out that way. It was an absolute mess for the Kansas City Chiefs. Houston comes out the gates flying. Kenny Stills gets a 54-yard touchdown pass from Watson. Houston blocks a punt on the next possession of Kansas City, gets the touchdown, comes right back, drives the field, and Watson the fells for another touchdown. As we enter the second quarter, they kicked another field goal. They were up 24 to nothing as we entered the second quarter. This was a shocker. It was it was a Tyreek Hill fumble. It was a blocked kick. Unbelievable. This is what set up the points and Houston capitalized. Did I think this contest was over at 24 nothing? No, but I really did truly believe Kansas City would struggle to come back as the momentum was just purely on the Texans' side. This game was something to be witnessed. I have never seen a colossal comeback like this 
with distinction. This At the end of this game, you didn't even feel like the Kansas City Chiefs were trailing by even three points. They were down 24 to nothing. The final score is 51 to 31 in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs. 51 to 31. It was absolutely incredible what Patrick Mahomes and company were able to do. The Chiefs, of course, they did get some luck as well. There was a there was a fumble on their on their kick return as well, which set up an easy touchdown to Travis Kelsey. He had a massive day today. Travis Kelsey's numbers were off the charts. He went 10 receptions, 134 yards, and three touchdowns on that injured hamstring. Patrick Mahomes, 23 of 35, 321 and five touchdowns today. Unbelievable. He tied an NFL record, I believe they said, with uh, Doug Williams back in the day for the Redskins for throwing four touchdown passes in a playoff game in one quarter unbelievable Patrick Mahomes so the resilience of this Kansas City Chiefs club really truly needs to be discussed I think in my opinion the run game wasn't necessarily there I think okay you had to obviously adjust but I mean as the score started getting tighter and closer to being tied I really believe that the Chiefs were going to come in and start running the ball. Andy Reid was having no part of it. He wanted to finish this contest, and I'm okay with that. I mean, when your opponent is is dying and gasping for air, you step on his throat and you finish him off. That's what you do. Andy Reid finally did that. This is something that has been missing from his coaching persona I believe in his entire career, he would take his foot off the pedal in the past. This time he said, no, I'm going to finish you off. We have you on the ropes. And they did it. As for this passing game, I mean, Mahomes, you can't say anything bad about his game. I mean, he had dropped passes in the in the beginning. There was, what, four drop passes, and that's kind of what set the tone. The dropped passes, the blocked punt, and then the muffed punt by uh, uh, Tyreek Hill. Those were your three key mistakes which, which got you down in this ball game. But, I mean, you were able to come back, and this is the strength of a, of a club that can definitely win the Super Bowl. For this next game, so the Chiefs travel to, or the Chiefs will host the Tennessee Titans next week. It will be very, very interesting uh, to say the least. But what a contest. I have never seen a comeback that strong to come out and score 51 points after being down 24 going into the second quarter. It was definitely something to see. Unbelievable. Uh, Andy Reid finally got something right in that regard. And, I mean, the Chiefs are moving on to the AFC Championship game. They haven't been to the Super Bowl at what they said, what, 50 years? Is that what they said? I can't remember exactly the number, but they haven't been there for a very long time. Uh, uh, big kudos to the Chiefs fans. They they will see championship uh, uh, play and playoff contest next week as they will host the Tennessee Titans. Very impressive showing. Moving on to the next contest on the board, we had the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. Another contest that Vegas was favoring the home club. The Packers had a four-point edge for the betting public. Again, I got roasted on uh, the point spread this week. I won't lie. I mean, the, it happens every now and then. What can you do? Four points. I really believe that this game was going to be a three-point contest. Didn't start out that way in the first half. But, I mean, this has been notorious of what the Seattle Seahawks have been for most of the season. They have come out the gates uh, slow. Even if they do get some points on the board, they seem to be this club that takes a, a quite a while to adjust. And the same thing occurred 
in this contest. They went down early. I mean, the Packers were up going into halftime. It was 21-3 to at halftime. The Hawks couldn't run the ball. There was nothing there. The pass game was being locked down. And then on top of it, they were allowing Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball wherever he wanted all over the field. Devontae Adams was your main target. He was eight receptions, 160 yards, two touchdowns. He was a machine today. He was open all over the field. And Aaron Rodgers was throwing some darts his way. Aaron Jones started the game off extremely hot, cooled off as the game wore on. I kind of found that to be a little interesting. Maybe I missed something. Maybe he went down with an injury. I didn't see anything, but I really was concerned with how the Green Bay Packers um, in the second half abandoned the run uh, for, for the most part. I mean, Aaron Jones did still finish the game with 21 carries, but it was a 62 yards, and you could really tell that it wasn't the same type of commitment to the run game as in the first quarter. The second half is where the Seattle Seahawks, like we said, they came out and they started to adjust. They adjusted extremely well. Pete Carroll had his troops going. Russell Wilson just put it into second gear, fourth gear, whatever you want to call it, and he put this team on his back. He was absolutely fantastic in that second half. Marshawn Lynch found his way into the end zone. Tyler Lockett as well. Lynch twice, excuse me, found his way into the end zone. But again, it was all on the back of Russell Wilson. He finishes the day with 277 yards, one touchdown. He was running the ball like crazy, scrambling, seven carries, 64 yards. That was the difference in that second half when when the Seahawks really needed um, to extend the drives on third down, Russell Wilson was the guy. He was able to make big plays. He ended up throwing a couple beautiful plays, one to uh, Tyler Lockett. He found one to Travis Homer on the sideline, which got him into the end zone with uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch uh, after that play. But, I mean, all in all, I mean, the Seahawks, they didn't have enough. They started too slow to come back. The Packers find a way to hold on 28-23. to 23. They will move on to the NFC Championship game. Um, but when it comes to the Seahawks, like I, I tweeted out this earlier as well, if Chris Carson or Rashad Penny were in this contest and not an injured reserve, I really believe we would have seen a different type of team. I mean, Marshawn Lynch isn't that guy anymore. He is obviously was being used as the battering ram on the goal line to score those touchdowns, and that was working. He had, what, four touchdowns in the three games that he came back from, which was uh, nothing to, to, to shy about. But if you had Chris Carson and Rashad Penny in this lineup – the difference in offensive uh, prowess, I believe, would have been monumental for the Seahawks. They were a very strong team. DK Metcalf was coming into his own. He was making plays. Tyler Lockett took a giant step, in my opinion, uh, to assert himself as one of the premier slot receivers in this game. I believe next season he'll take it to the next level as well. Really, really was pulling for. I'm not. I had no bias or favor, but I was really pulling for Wilson to at least make this a a, a tie ball game in some sorts. Hopefully, so we could see some overtime. Just because how hard he was playing, but you got to give kudos where it's due. Aaron Rodgers. He was taking a lot of heat. Uh, coming into this game I, I saw many articles saying put up or shut up you're getting paid the money you talk all this smack and you still can't make it back to the Super Bowl since the last time so I mean maybe is this the year I mean Matt LaFleur uh, I believe what is he the youngest coach to make it to the NFC championship I might be wrong on that one but I think I saw a stat on that as well 
he has done a great job. This team is extremely balanced. I mean, you run the ball extremely well. Aaron Rodgers is still who he is. He can still sling the ball all over the field. Some of those passes he made were phenomenal. Devontae Adams it was right in his breadbasket. I mean, that one play to finish off the game, uh, threw it to uh, Jimmy Graham. I mean, it was only fitting. He he played for the Hawks before, and he was the one to, to eliminate them from playoff contention. So, it was a decent game overall. The The fourth quarter was extremely entertaining. Unfortunately for Seahawks fans, I mean, injuries, again, they took their toll. But you have Russell Wilson, and, and with, with Wilson, you're always in the ball game. So let's move on to the contest for uh, the championship weekend for AFC and the NFC championship weekend. Let's just highlight a little bit of what's going to happen how we see these games going. So the first one on the board, the the early contest uh, will be the Titans taking travel to the Kansas City Chiefs. I, at this opening point of, of review, I really, how can you go against the Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, they are built to be here. They definitely are. Andy Reid has been grooming this club for many years now obviously the Alex Smith thing they bring in Patrick Mahomes I mean three years he's played for two um this is what they're built for it's the it's the AFC championship game to go to the Super Bowl how can you really believe that Patrick Mahomes is going to get beat at home by the Tennessee Titans defense I at this point I really can't see it what I can see is Derrick Henry I see so much of Derrick Henry being involved again. So this is the formula that can happen to this Chiefs club, much like it has to other powerful offenses. Control the clock with your running game. Do not allow Patrick Mahomes to get the ball in his hands. This is going to be the key for Mike Vrabel. He will use every tool in his arsenal to keep that ball to keep that clock running to limit the amount of opportunities that the Kansas City Chiefs have offensively Derrick Henry is going to be very difficult to stop I understand Chris Jones he sat today obviously that was a precautionary in in belief that they would be playing in the AFC championship game and it paid off I mean clearly he wasn't able to go today wouldn't think that they would have rested him in an important showdown versus the Texans but with him back there is a chance that you can clog up the middle Um, the Chiefs really love to blitz so I do believe pressure will be key and maybe they will uh, uh, force the issue and keep an eight-man box, blitz as much as they can to keep Tannehill off off his game, and 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 they can maybe possibly shut down Derrick Henry. But that's a very difficult task, all in itself. Henry is is a mammoth of a man. He runs extremely fast for a man his size. I believe what is he two six four two forty two fifty, and he runs like a four six unbelievable it's very tough to stop this man so the titans they are a decent squad i mean they have they have been playing playoff football for what now the last five six weeks just to make it into the postseason so that could be the difference uh uh, in this club to believe that they can do it because they've been doing it for so long they've been gutting it out and grinding it out every week so when it comes to this game overall, I still really believe 
that the Kansas City Chiefs will be too difficult to stop. Vegas has the line already set at 7.5 points, favoring the Chiefs. And with what we saw today coming back from 24 points, it's very difficult to argue that point. At home in Kansas City, the Chiefs, they'll start slow again. I mean, this is how they have been. They're going to want to come out fast out the gates, but they have been starting slow. They are winners, I believe, what is that, seven in a row now the Chiefs are. So I can't see it. I'm going to seriously go and off. uh, Obviously, the week is just beginning. Uh, We have a lot of evaluation to do, but I really do like the Kansas City Chiefs. Excuse me, going to the Super Bowl, beating the Tennessee Titans with some level of power. Um, Henry is going to definitely keep the game uh, uh, tight simply due to time. A.J. Brown will definitely have to be involved. Jonu Smith is is turning a corner to become the team's number one tight end. Um, but they're going to need everything on their roster to get past this Kansas City Chiefs team and into the Super Bowl and keep the Cinderella season going. But the Kansas City Chiefs, for my money at this point, I will be siding with them. I believe they are the better club in this contest and, and should be the representative for the AFC in the Super Bowl for 2020. So moving to the next contest on the board, we have the Green Bay Packers facing the San Francisco 49ers in Levi Stadium in San Francisco. This contest is very, very interesting to me on paper. So when we look at what Vegas is already establishing their line, they are giving San Francisco yet another touchdown spread favored at this point. Obviously, that's going to change as the week goes on as well. But like we said, when we discuss the San Francisco 49ers, it's extremely difficult to get off the fact that their defense is so strong. Some may want to argue that Green Bay also houses a very strong defense. I believe they have the third-ranked rush defense. They're extremely stout with their blitz packages as well. We know Mike Patton very well. He has the Rex Ryan system. It is blitz, all-out blitz. It is playing those 4-6 coverage defenses. But when you talk about what the 49ers do well, they run the ball very well. So this could be an extremely good chess match between two clubs who have strength at that position. The Niners run the ball very well. The Packers defend the ball or run very well. So could this be Jimmy Garoppolo time um, as this Packers secondary uh, they are beatable. I am a Jari Alexander fan. I really do like what the, the Packers house on this secondary. I think they're extremely stout. They're extremely uh, difficult to match up against. And especially if you want to talk about a favoring matchup, I do believe the Packers should be favored on that side with Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel being the 49ers receivers. I believe Alexander and company will be able to cover them. It's going to be all about scheming them open. The, the, the question mark I have is that I believe that Green Bay does not have somebody to cover uh, George Kittle. This will be, uh, the obviously Kittle is not an X factor, but it will be the X factor in this game. I, I truly believe that Kyle Shanahan will force feed George Kittle on high regularity and then use Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel uh, uh, in the secondary role. Um, especially if we see the Packers run defense start to lock down 
um, the San Francisco 49ers run game. However, I, I feel like Raheem Mostert is the running back for this matchup. He has been very impressive to me simply because of how well he has been running. He's extremely fast, he's very shifty, and he has deceitful power. He can he can knock guys on their butts quite easily on point of contact. So, I mean, all in all, all together, when we start talking about the Packers' offense, yes, they are balanced, but they do not hold that secondary receiving option, and I think that could be their downfall in this game. Devontae Adams should see a whole heck of a lot of Richard Sherman, maybe even double teams, and then force the issue to say, hey, Aaron Jones beat us, which he definitely could. But I do believe that uh, uh, the defensive coordinator will have enough to say he has trust that his his defensive line and front seven will be able to to put the shackles on Aaron Jones for a majority of this contest. Aaron Rodgers will have to put on a show. There's no question about it. He's going to need uh, uh, Geronimo Allison and company to step up in that secondary role. Perhaps Jimmy Graham again has a decent day, but he's going to need somebody else to step up besides Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones if the Packers want to make a game of this, if they want to take it to the next level and reach the Super Bowl. Going to be a very interesting weekend. I like both contests to be very entertaining. We are nearing the end. It is absolutely unbelievable that AFC uh, Championship and NFC Championship weekend is upon us this week coming up, and then one week off, and then we are at the Super Bowl for the champion of 2020. Unbelievable how quickly this season has gone. So for my money, I am putting it on the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers to make it to the dance. I could be wrong, but at this point, I mean, I will have my point spread article out on Friday. So obviously I will catch any weather updates, injury updates to better prepare myself for my predictions. But as we stand today, after these contests on Sunday, I really believe that the two best teams uh, uh, on the weekend coming up here will be in the championship game um, and it should be an absolute dandy. I think it'll be uh, uh, you, you You can't go wrong with Kansas City and Green Bay I mean Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers dueling it out for the Super Bowl supremacy I wouldn't hate that as well could I see it? Absolutely I could um, I'm just betting on defense that wins championships and I think the 49ers just have a, have a monster on that side of the ball so so, I mean, on that note, this is the Divisional Round Weekend concluded. Hope you enjoyed the shows. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbeam, and wherever you get your shows. So, once again, thank you for tuning in. We always appreciate you. And until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.